Peace be upon you. So one of the biggest blessings that God has provided mankind is that of livestock. These are the cows, the cattle, the sheep, the goats, all these animals that we benefit from. This blessing is so critical that the Quran states that part of our rights in the religion is to commemorate God for providing us with these livestock. And we see this in Surah 22 verse 28 in the context of Hajj. It says, they may seek commercial benefits and they shall commemorate God's name during the specified days for providing them with livestock. Eat therefrom and feed the despondent and the poor. And it continues in Surah 22 verse 34, it reads, For each congregation we have decreed rights whereby they commemorate the name of God for providing them with the livestock. Your God is one and the same God. You shall all submit to him, give good news to the obedient. As if that's not enough of an emphasis that we should be incredibly appreciative for these animals. Even the Arabic word in the Quran used for livestock, al-na'am, comes from the same root as the word for blessing, favor, and grace, which is nimat. God is using the same root for both these words for us to remember each time we hear this word that this is a major blessing for human beings. So it's worth pondering, what is it about these animals, this blessing that God has given us, that we need to be reflective upon? There's strong evidence that the domestication of livestock was a strong trigger that transformed humans from hunter-gatherer society to an agrarian society. Now what else is interesting is out of all the places in the entire world where these animals originated, Every single quadruped livestock, these are the, uh, the, the livestock with hooves, they all came out of a region known as the Fertile Crescent with the exception of one. So cattle, goats, sheep, horses, and even pigs all originated from this Fertile Crescent. And this is a region in modern-day eastern Turkey to Iraq and southwestern Iran. Even the donkey and the camel originated just south of the Fertile Crescent, around the Arabian Peninsula some 10,000 years ago during the Neolithic Revolution. And out of all these livestock, the only ones that originated outside of this region is the alpaca and the llama, which came from modern-day South America. It was because of this blessing that the Fertile Crescent and its neighboring lands were able to advance as societies at a much faster pace than any other region in the world. And we have to look at all the blessings that these animals have provided us. You know, the most apparent of this all is that of meat. By God's leave, these animals provide us with pure proteins. And there's so many benefits for having access to meat of this caliber. Firstly, protein is absolutely essential for growth. And you think of a time when they didn't have refrigeration. To be able to have the animals roaming around and when they need the meat, they're able to slaughter it and have fresh food. In addition, you can also smoke and dehydrate the meat in order to be able to preserve it for long durations of time. You know, at a point when you don't have refrigeration, this gives those societies who have access to this resource a huge advantage, a huge benefit. In addition, it's believed that having access to meat is what gave humans the instinct to start cooking their food. And this provides a huge amount of benefits because when we cook food, we're actually processing it, we're, we're tenderizing it, and we're making it easier to digest and extract the nutrients when we eat. 
If you look at the early humans and humanoid ancestors, what you'll notice is that they have these massive jaws. And the idea behind this is that the food that they were eating was so um, dense, so hard, that they had to work up all their muscles in their jaw in order to be able to process it. But once we start cooking food, we make the food easier to chew to the point that now you look, people have like these thinner jaw lines, and even the, uh, the, the teeth, we have more teeth than we can uh, handle within our jaws, especially when the, uh, the wisdom teeth come out. And this allowed us, by God's leave, to be able to get more nutrients out of our food. So this allowed the human beings to obtain more nutrients from their food than if they had to process everything raw. And if we compare humans to apes, we see that on average, apes spend half their day just chewing and eating food. This is because their diet consists of food that is low nutritional content. So they have to spend substantially more time eating just to survive. If this was the case for humans, you know, that we didn't discover meat, we didn't discover cooking, we didn't discover farming, humans might never have been able to advance past being nomadic societies. And this is the start of human civilization. The fact that we can locate in one region and be able to produce our food for us. Then there's another factor at play. You know, in the past, everyone had to grow and produce their own food. Once we have, you know, more densely populated societies, you have division of labor, where in essence, a small subset of the population can produce the food to feed the masses, allowing them to focus on other tasks. And this kind of brings us to another point is that animals provide humans with extraordinary powers. You know, livestock provides humans with the ability to be able to travel long distances. You know, before there were cars and planes, the way that we were able to traverse to be able to go and find the resources we need or trade or travel to new lands was by means of animals. So we can think of animals as that first block into, again, progressing human society. So by God's leave, we can have planes, we can have cars, we can have bicycles. Because if we didn't have access to these resources, this livestock, we would never be able to progress past, again, a very simplistic society. So we see that animals are able to amplify the strength of a human being. This has direct benefit on the ability for humans to be able to plow the land and carry loads. With the aid of livestock power, a small subset of people in society, again, can produce enough calories for the rest of society so that those individuals can focus on other tasks. They can be a blacksmith, a carpenter, a doctor, a teacher, a scientist. This division of labor allows for the overall advancement in society. In Surah 16, verse 5 through 8, it reads, And he created the livestock for you to provide you with warmth and many other benefits as well as food. They also provide you with luxury during your leisure and when you travel. And they carry your loads to lands that you could not reach without a great hardship. Surely your Lord is compassionate, most merciful. And he created the horses, the mules, the donkeys for you to ride and for luxury. Additionally, he creates what you do not know. Another clear benefit of livestock is that from their fur and hides that the earliest humans could make clothes, bedding, and shelter. And a lot of people have made the argument that if it wasn't for this blessing of livestock that provide hides and fur, that most likely human beings would have gone extinct. And this argument is supported by fossil records looking at other species that were competing with humans that didn't get to the point of domesticating animals, cooking food, and because of this, they didn't get to benefit from all these blessings that they had and they didn't survive. 
In Surah 16, verse 80, it reads, And God provided for you stationary homes where you can live, and He provided for you portable homes made of the hides of livestock, so you can use them when you travel and when you settle down. And from their wools, furs, and hair, you make furnishings and luxuries for a while. You know, some people, they hear this verse and they say, well, this doesn't apply to me. I don't use these hides to make homes. But consider you get onto your nice leather seat, maybe in your office, in a car, on a plane. You're still benefiting from the hides of these creatures as you travel. Another key aspect that livestock provide is milk. Milk is the most efficiently produced, naturally occurring, nutrient-rich food that we have access to. Consider that the regions that had access to milk could use it as a supplement for meat, and babies could use it as a supplement for breast milk. Also, since it can be obtained on demand, which is essential at a time when refrigeration uh, of food was not available, having access to milk whenever it's needed is just, again, another huge blessing that if it wasn't for this resource, for this availability, you know, our ancestors may not have survived. Additionally, from milk, we can get all kinds of other foods. We can get cream, butter, cheese, curds, and yogurt. You know, open up your uh, refrigerator and look at all the foods we get to benefit from because of milk. You know, the absolute benefit that milk has provided humans has been stamped in our DNA. Before the arrival of domesticated cattle in Europe, prehistoric populations couldn't stomach raw milk. This is because cow's milk has lactose, which humans originally could not break down. But at some point during the spread of farming into southeastern Europe, a mutation occurred for lactose tolerance that increased in frequency through natural selection thanks to the nourishing benefits of milk. This means that the individuals who had this mutation were able to process milk and survived and passed that on to future generations. And the way we know this is if you go to Northern Europe and you take a DNA test of the population, you'll find that 90% of the people in this region have this mutation that allows them to process lactose. And when they look at their genealogy, they see that the vast majority of them descended from cow herders mean that they were the ones who survived by God's leave to be able to process this food. In Surah 23, verse 21, it says, And the livestock should provide you with a lesson. We let you drink milk from their bellies. You derive other benefits from them, and some of them you use for food. And in Surah 16, verse 66, it reads, And in the livestock there is a lesson for you. We provide you with a drink from their bellies. From the mist of digested food and blood, you get pure milk delicious for the drinkers. But even consider the miracle of milk itself, that the cow eats grass and grain, and from the mist of digested food, blood, and guts, this miraculous machine can extract nutrients that are pure white, that are synthesized and chemically processed inside this beast that allows us to extract this delicious pure milk. And you consider that milk for the longest time was the marker for white, that out of the blood red and the guts and all these things inside a cow, that it's able to extract pure, delicious, protein-rich milk. Now, imagine if scientists all got together and said, hey, we want to produce a machine that we dump in grain and grass, and from it, we're going to be able to synthesize pure milk. God knows if they'll ever be able to achieve such technology. But God gave this to us. 
He gave us the cow, he gave us the camel, he gave us the goat, that from these we can produce this delicious milk. And it's such a huge blessing. You know, if scientists were able to do that, just imagine the technological achievement they would be. They'd get a Nobel Prize for this. And again, we take this for granted that God has already provided this by means of these animals. You know, there's another hidden benefit that livestock has provided the human population that had access to these marvelous creations. Humans who are around livestock built a super advanced immune system in response to this interaction, this cohabitation. This idea was popularized in Jared Diamond's book, Guns, Germs, and Steel, where he argued that the close contact with livestock vastly improved human immunity and in turn providing advantages to some cultures over others. This immune response starts in childhood and carries on for the rest of the individual's life. When the human populations become more centralized, this also increases the chances of spreading disease. Now, while disease can be uh, a pandemic, can cause a lot of death, it also can strengthen the immune systems. This is an anti-fragile property of our immune system. Additionally, the co-living between livestock and humans allowed new viruses to be formed in which humans also built additional tolerances to these viruses. And this was great for the individuals who survived because, again, this dense population, this cohabitation with livestock. But when European settlers went to America, went to North America or even South America via the conquistadors, that 90% of the native populations in the Americas was wiped out because of the diseases that the Europeans brought with them, because the native populations did not have densely populated uh, societies and did not have domesticated animals that allowed them to boost their immune system. And this is just another hidden quality that livestock have provided human beings in order to make our immune system more robust to viruses and disease. Now it's worth contemplating what characteristics is it about these animals that make them so suitable for all these benefits we're able to obtain from them. And it's worth reflecting why didn't we domesticate, you know, elephants and rhinos and other animals, but it was specifically these specific animals that were almost designed for this purpose. One of the glaring facts is that these are incredibly docile creatures. And we take this for granted. Now imagine that a cow or a sheep or a goat had the aggressiveness of a lion or the nervousness of a zebra. How difficult would it have been to try to domesticate these animals or to mass produce these animals? And this is something that God bestowed into their nature to make them be able to be comfortable in large masses, to not be anxious, to be incredibly docile. These are huge blessings. And there's another factor that has to be taken in consideration to why these animals were selected for domestication, for mass production. And this has to do with the efficiency of breeding these animals and how much resources we can get back from them. This is the amount of work, money, food, water that needs to be provided to the animal before it can return to the humans the benefits that we're looking for. The gestation period of a cow is roughly nine months. This means from conception to birth, it takes roughly nine months in order to produce a new cow. And when a new calf is born, they weigh roughly 50 to 100 pounds. 
Then it only takes about seven months for the calf to weigh about 500 pounds. In a feedlot, they can gain about two and a half to three and a half pounds a day. Then after 24 months, they can weigh as much as 1,300 to 1,400 pounds and be ready for slaughter. These numbers make the animal incredibly efficient as far as being able to produce meat in the time period and resources necessary to obtain that meat. Now, if we look at a dairy cow, on the other hand, they can produce milk after 24 months and will continue doing so for about four years. And then afterwards, they're typically slaughtered for meat. The average dairy cow produces 19,825 pounds of milk a year. And that comes out to 2,305 gallons of milk a year, or about 8 gallons of milk every day during her milking period. And if we aggregate this over the 4 years of milking, this comes out to 9,220 gallons of milk over the lifespan of a dairy cow. These are incredibly productive animals. If it wasn't for this level of productivity, livestock would not be economical for mass consumption. This is a big reason it does not make sense to attempt to farm elephants and rhinos and giraffes and most other animals. Either their temperament is not worth it or the efficiency of the animal is not economically viable. Elephants have a gestation period of almost two years and rhinos and giraffes have a gestation period of 450 days. Additionally, the amount of meat that these animals produce is nowhere on the level of what you're able to get from that of livestock. And that is true for every animal except for one. And that one animal is the pig. The pig has a gestation period of only roughly 114 days. Additionally, a well-fed sow will produce at least 10 piglets in a litter during pregnancy and have two litters each year. Additionally, pigs will eat nearly anything and transform those calories into meat. This makes raising and consuming of meat incredibly tempting for a population. Not to mention that the pork eating population can't stop raving about how delicious bacon is, which makes it that much more tempting for societies to want to mass produce and consume pigs. I believe this is a big reason that God explicitly prohibits the meat of pigs in the Quran. If the pig did not possess these qualities, then people would not be tempted to eat these animals. For instance, God did not need to create a commandment not to eat rocks. This is because any sensible person would have zero desire to eat rocks. But God specifically warns us to stay away from things that appear pleasurable and tempting from the outside but are actually destructive for ourselves. In Surah 6, verse 145, it reads, Say, I do not find in the revelations given to me any food that is prohibited for any eater except one, carrion, two, running blood, three, the meat of pigs, for it is contaminated, and four, the meat of animals blasphemously dedicated to othering God. If one is forced to eat these without being deliberate or malicious, then your Lord is forgiver, most merciful. Part of the appeal of pigs is also part of the reason they are considered contaminated. As mentioned earlier, pigs will eat nearly anything. This includes not only their own feces, 
but even they will eat themselves in a form of cannibalism. Back in July 2020, a video got leaked of a pig farm in China where due to a feed shortage, the pigs started resorting to cannibalism. This would never be the case for other livestock. A cow would starve to death before it would consume another cow. I have a friend whose family were farmers, and one day we were out for uh, lunch, and I noticed that he said he doesn't eat pork. And I was wondering why he wasn't religious, and he told me that his family used to farm pigs. And he said it was the most grotesque, disgusting thing that he's ever seen. And ever since that he had that experience, he never ate pigs again. And he was talking about all these foul things that he would see the pigs doing and to think that he was consuming the meat from these animals. So because of that, he gave up eating pork for the rest of his life. But there's a reason that pigs will eat anything and will process anything is that they can't obtain the nutrients they need from grain and grass alone. Cattle have a ruminant digestive tract. This consists of a four-part stomach that allows them to acquire nutrients from the cellulose of plant-based food, which cannot be done by monogastric animals like pigs. This allows them to break down the cell structure and extract the protein in order for them to get all the nutrients they need from plants alone. So when a cow chews its food, it will swallow it in one part of its stomach and then bring it back up for further chewing. This is known as chewing the cud. So by only eating a plant-based diet, it reduces the possibility of these animals to get certain diseases and parasites that can live within the meat of the animal. And in pork, there is a parasite known as trigonosis. And this is a form of a roundworm that lives inside the meat of pigs. And if the pork is not properly cooked or eaten raw, then people run the risk of getting this parasite as it resides in the body tissue and muscle of these animals. Additionally, there's another weird quirk when it has to do with pigs, is that the physiology of a human and a pig is strikingly similar, so much so that last year they did the first successful pig-to-human heart transplant. Now, this individual only lived for two months, but the fact that you can grow human organs in a modified pig and be able to transplant that from the pig to the human is absolutely mind-boggling. What is it about their physiology and our uh, physiology that allows this to take place? Now, while it's pretty cool that we can potentially grow human organs inside another species, this comes with a certain drawback, and that's that the diseases that humans have can basically live inside the bodies of pigs, and this allows for vast amounts of mutation and disease to be spread. Now, if pigs were not abundantly bred and in mass consumption, this wouldn't be such a big deal. But the fact that you have these farms full of pigs that can serve as vessels for new ailments and new diseases becomes highly problematic. So much so that every so often you'll see millions of pigs slaughtered because of some new ailment, some new influenza that they've been able to carry. And we have recent history of this. In 2009, we had the swine flu pandemic, and it's estimated that some 11 to 21% of the global population contracted swine flu. And it's estimated that this has caused anywhere between 150,000 to 575,000 deaths globally. Additionally, while it's not definitive 
There is strong evidence that the Spanish influenza origins also came from a pig as well. This pandemic caused the estimated death of 50 million people when the total population was only 1 billion, which equates to about 5% of the population being wiped out from this virus alone. So when God is telling us to not consume the meat of these animals, realistically, this is telling us that this whole process of breeding them, mass producing them, cohabitating with them is only to the destruction of ourselves and we should not partake in this act. Now it's given, when God gives us a commandment, our response should be, we hear and we obey. But God also lets us know some of the repercussions that come when we break His commandments in order for us to grow and trust in God. So when God tells us that these livestock are blessings for us, that it's part of our religious rights is to commemorate God for providing them, that we should always be reflective, always be appreciative, and spend that extra time when you're going to have your meal, you're going to have your protein, you're going to have your cut of steak, that you think about the blessing that God has given you. That when you sit on your leather couch, or you open up your fridge and you grab your milk for your bowl of cereal, that you're reflective on God, that you're appreciative, that you think about the blessings that God has given us by giving us access to such an amazing set of creatures. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys want to get in touch, you can join us on our Discord server. The invite link is below. Uh, highly recommend it. It's a great place to be able to meet other submitters, to have thoughtful conversations. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, you can download the Quran Study app on the iOS app store. If you don't have an iOS device, you can go to QuranStudyApp.com website. And if you want just more information, check out ChronicLabs.com. And until next time, peace and God bless.